Welcome to the Numa Church Podcast. For more information on all things Numa, please contact us on our website, numa.church. Now get ready for another inspirational message. You know, one of the, the things that I feel particularly um, impassioned about, things that have something that has really shaped me and my understanding of Christianity pretty much from the get-go is the theology of eternity. The theology of eternity. This life that we live right now is not the be-all and end-all. That there is more to this life that we see in the physical realm. If I may submit to you today that you're actually a spirit being simply having a human experience. Did you catch that? That you are, you are a spirit being simply having a human experience. Some of you are going, what is this Asian guy on about? I'm going to take you to the Word of God today, and we're going to unpack that because it's got profound implications for the way that you live your life right here and now. And um, it's custom at at Nations Church for us to honor the Word of God by standing. So I might get you to stand up as we read the Bible. Is that okay? Just stand to your feet as we put that first slide up. Paul writes to the church in Corinth, and he says that, for we know that if the earthly tent, he's referring to our physical bodies, for We know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven. How many of you are looking forward to that heavenly body? Where you have six packs and, you know, you don't have to work for it. Not built by human personal trainers. Verse 2, meanwhile we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, this Humanly body, we groan and are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. That's that longing for eternity. So that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Verse 5. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose. Say this very purpose. In other words, the purpose of thinking eternally and what that means is God who has given us the pneuma, the spirit, as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Next slide. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we live by faith and not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. In other words, our our goal is eternity. Make sense? So we make it our goal to do whatever we want in this life. Does Paul say that? No. He says, we make it our goal to please Him. Whether we are at home in the body, which is here in the temporal, or away from it, which is in eternity, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That's not often preached in churches. So that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, in the temporal, whether good or bad. Next slide. And he died for all, that those who live, are you alive in Christ this morning? That those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Can we give Jesus a big shout of praise for that really powerful message? (laughs) Grab your seats. Today I want to speak to you on the thought, your one life for His purpose. Your one life for His purpose. One of the greatest deceptions that I often think even in in Christendom, as church people, as Christian people, we often fall for is that life is about acquiring as much as you possibly can the things that may be made in China, come on, that you can buy with credit card uh, swipes and and, and your your, your pay pass and all of those sorts of things, Uh, or or maybe to gather more social media followers, or maybe to get a better, better body, or maybe to get a newer face,
This message today is not anti-social media, it's not anti-Botox, it's not anti-wealth, it's not anti-any of those things. I simply want to submit to you today that you have one life to live, Numa Church, and we better be living it, expend it towards the pursuit of the purposes of God. Every single one of us has been gifted with a single life here on this earth. And if you call yourself a believer today, eternity was awakened on the inside of you. Solomon writes in Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11 out of the Amplified, he says this, He, being God, has also planted or imputed or put inside of us eternity or awakened eternity, simply meaning a sense of divine purpose. When you said yes to God, a sense of divine purpose was planted on the inside of you. Inside the human heart, which is a mysterious longing, which nothing under the sun can satisfy except God. Nothing under the sun can satisfy except God. I want to submit to you today in Yuma Church that when your predominant awareness is on eternity, Nothing in the world will be able to satisfy you except living your one life for his purpose. Nothing in the world will be able to satisfy. For so many of us, and myself included, there have been different seasons in my life where it is quite possible for us to live this life where we say, I love you, Jesus, but we pitch our tent in the pursuit of more money, in the pursuit of a better body, in the pursuit of more relationships. Come on, are you out there? But I want to submit to you today that God has placed you on the earth and the fact that you woke up this morning, he gave you the one life to live it for his purpose. Little wonder, Paul says, as a non-negotiable to the church in Corinth, we make it our goal in life, hashtag life goals, to please him whether we are at home in the body or away from it. Don't wait till eternity before you say, I'm going to please God. Come on, please God right now. Those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him. Right here, Paul is actually giving us the key to your best life. I want to submit to you, Numa Church, that your best life is found in fulfilling his purpose. Nothing else will satisfy. All other pursuits will not satisfy your life. I reckon the most frustrated people on the earth are not people who have never received Christ and are spending their lives in the pursuit of temporal things because they have no frame of reference. I reckon the most frustrated, the most narky, the most disgruntled, grumpy people are actually Christians who have been awakened to eternity, awakened to something more, but deceived into expending their life in the pursuit of temporal things. I reckon some of the most, you know, we go from church to church, not this church, but we hop from church to church, life group to life group in the pursuit of, oh, this thing, it's just, I just can't find myself. It's because when you've been awakened to eternity, nothing else will satisfy but living your one life. Am I talking to a church? Because seated on the inside of you, coded into your DNA, is the desire to fulfill nothing else but the purposes of God. If you go back to the very genesis of humanity, in the book of Genesis, when God said, let us make man in our image, the very first conversation that he has with Adam and Eve is not about vision, not about, uh, uh, about, about lights, not, not, not about anything else, not about you know, a Christian program, not about church attendance. The very first conversation that God has with humanity is about purpose. Go forth, multiply, subdue the earth, have dominion over the birds of the air and every living creature. The first conversation that God has because he knew that seeded and coded into our DNA is the desire to fulfill the purposes of God. In our fallen state, we've lost our way, but I can tell you now, Numa Church, God is restoring you back to become an army that fulfills the purposes of God. You've got one life to live. 
One life to live. Live it, fulfilling his purpose. If you're anything like me, we've seen that life at different times throws life stuff at us. Circumstances that inhibit, maybe limit, maybe even kill off the purposes of God on our lives. When, when, when you think about the purposes of God, when you think about your part in it, and you, you may be wondering today, what is the purpose of God for my life? Right there, the fact that you're part of Newman Church, you're actually part of advancing God's kingdom to the nations. Just take that home with you. That's your purpose. Right there, you're a part of that. And maybe you're here today and you're saying that, you know, uh, if you're anything like me, I feel a bit purposeless. I, I get that. I understand that. But I want to share with you today, even from my own well, purpose killers, purpose inhibitors, things that have at times robbed me from the purposes of God. And I believe that as we begin to unpack some of these things, God is actually going to restore purpose back into your life. But one of the things that I've often stumbled over and, and, and found myself tripping up on is the fact that in different seasons of my life, I have, I have thought or confused the whole idea that my breakthrough or my answered prayer is my purpose. Can I submit to you today that whatever it is that you're believing for in God, that breakthrough that you're waiting for, God wants to give to you, but it's not necessarily the purpose of God for your life. Let me give you an example. In the book of Genesis, we're introduced to a man by the name of Abraham. Abraham and his wife Sarah were unable to have children. And so as you can imagine, through the years, the desire of their heart was to raise a family, but no child was forthcoming until God interrupts them as elderly people beyond childbearing age and says to them, I'm going to give you a child. So, so it's just like God, isn't it, to come completely out of our time schedule to give a promise to us. And God says to Abraham and Sarah, I'm going to give you a child. Now, you need to understand that to, from the outsider looking in, to promise a child to a couple who'd been struggling with infertility, that might seem like the purpose of God for their life. But I want to submit to you today that having a child for Abraham and Sarah was the breakthrough that they were waiting for, but it was not the purpose of God for their life. The purpose of God for their life was to birth nations. If all it was was simply to conceive a child and to bounce a little baby on their knee, if that was the purpose of God, then why didn't they just simply settle for Ishmael? After all, that was Sarah's idea anyway. I want to submit to you today that maybe the things that you've been believing God for, they're the breakthrough that's going to come, and I promise you they will come in God if you live by faith. But it's not necessarily the purposes of God for your life. The reason that purpose gets killed out of us sometimes is because we confuse what we're blessed with, with what we're called to. God, I'm believing for a house. I'm believing for a house. And when God actually blesses us with a house, we think that that's the purpose. And so we stop living our lives pursuing the purposes of God because we've got our purpose, the house. You guys are getting real quiet. You'll never invite me back after this message. Come on, Numa Church. Don't ever confuse what you're blessed with with what you're called to. I'm blessed with a house, but I'm called to the nations. Come on, are you out there? I'm blessed with a car, but I'm called to my neighborhood. I'm blessed with clothes. Come on, but I'm called to my neighbor. Come on, are you out there? You're blessed with a building, but you're called to advance the kingdom of God to the nations, Numa Church. Don't ever confuse what you're blessed with with what you're called to. The reason why this is a very important revelation for so many is because we know so many people that are believing God for this thing they've been waiting for. Maybe like Abraham and Sarah. Or maybe, you know, we, we know the young person that's, that's believing God. Give me a husband because I don't want to be like that old cat lady getting old and, and playing with lots of cats when I'm old. And then the husband comes along. Hello? 
and suddenly they disappear. Not in this church, but in mine. Or whatever it is that we're believing for, suddenly when the answered prayer comes, when the miracle comes, if that is your purpose, why would you continue on fulfilling any other purpose? Because you've got your purpose. I want to submit to you today, your blessing is not your purpose. Be blessed by all means. Continue to fulfill the purposes of God for your life. The second inhibitor, the second purpose killer, often is that we misunderstand our value. That we misunderstand our value. I feel today to really speak into this for so many here at the 11 a.m. at the city campus. We often misunderstand our value. We are more than likely to use something appropriately when we understand its true value. Subsequently, we're also most likely to abuse something when we misunderstand its value. When you understand just how valuable you are in God's eyes, why would you cheapen it by living your life in the pursuit of anything other than the purposes of God? If you truly understood your value, why would you cheapen it chasing the things that don't matter? It's just an earthly tent, Paul says. Come on, make it your goal to please Him when you understand your true value. How many of you know what this is? It's a $100 bill. It's a real green, Aussie $100 bill. How many of you would like a $100 bill? All of the students, the rest of you old rich people going, ah, oh, it's only a hana, I got plenty of that where that came from. Come on, how many of you would like a $100 bill? Because you understand how much a $100 is worth. I actually had to get this from my accounts department because I have not seen a $100 bill in my wallet for maybe 20 years. I'm married and I'm a father and I've not seen this kind of cash in my... Am I speaking to all the dads in the house? $100. How much is $100 worth? It's worth $100. Some of you know what this can do because you know its inherent value. What if I put the $100 inside of this? Do you still want it? Mike's the first to say yes. You can't have it. I know you're poor because you're a Bible college teacher, but you know, you gotta, you got to let me play out the analogy. The reason why you still want it is because you know that the value is what's on the inside. You're looking past the five cent white envelope that it's in because you know that its inherent value is on the inside. What if I did this? I folded it. Would you still want it? What if I did this? You still want it? What if I did this? Do you still want it? Why? Because you know, it's not what happens to the outside of it that matters. Its inherent value is on the inside. Come on, do I get a resounding amen from Numa Church? Your value is determined by the Christ in you, not the circumstance around you. So many of us stop fulfilling the purposes of God because of what happens to us, not because of the value we have on the inside of us. Numa Church, you are who God says you are. You are not your circumstance. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, Ken, you don't understand I've been abused. I, my marriage broke down five years ago. Stuff happened in my life you have no idea. The church trampled on me. I'm not discounting the things that happened to you, but I am reminding you again of who you are. This is who you are, not this. This 
is why you should live your one life fulfilling the purposes of God, not this. Stop looking at how ragged and beaten up your five cent envelope shell tent is and start looking at the one life God has given you. That has not changed because you've been determined in value by what Jesus has done for you. Can I submit to you today as well, as for somebody out here, that your feelings are not your value. Your feelings are not your value. Why would you hedge your inherent value to something as shaky as how you feel about yourself? You are most likely to allow purpose to die on the inside of you when you hedge your value to your feelings. The book of Romans says this about you. If you look at this through the lens of your value, it says, now if we are children, then we are heirs. This is talking about every single believer in this room. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Think about how valuable Jesus looks at your life. When he sees you, he sees you as his equal, co-heir. The same things that were given to Jesus were also given to you. Why would you cheapen your life, living it for any other purpose than the purposes of God? Do I have a resounding amen? amen. You guys getting something out of this? Yes. The third purpose inhibitor, the third purpose killer, even in my own life, is not wanting to, be, not wanting to get out of being settled. I don't like feeling unsettled. I like my routines, but this is what I've learned over the years of pastoring and walking with Jesus, is that the purposes of God are rarely compatible with your comforts, your routines, your conveniences. Come on, do I have a resounding amen? Rarely compatible with that. We see the life of a man by the name of Moses. How many of you have heard of Moses? When we see the life of Moses, Moses, the best lens that you can look at the life of Moses is through three different blocks. The first 40 years, he was a Hebrew raised in an Egyptian palace, if you like, so he was kind of out of place, always felt like God had called him to more, but he was, you know, really unsettled, really conflicted internally. He commits manslaughter, and he's under, on the run. The next 40 years of his life, he's in a place called Midian, running away from the place that God had him in, which is Egypt. The third lot of 40 years, he spent wandering around the wilderness after leading an entire nation out of slavery. We happen upon this second lot of 40 years where Moses has run away from Egypt and he finds himself now settled into family life in a place called Midian, some 460 kilometers away from Egypt. He is now working for his wife's father, so his father-in-law, and uh, Across 40 years, you can imagine what life would be like. He has started a family. He is now a full-time goat herder, storing away his superannuation, probably. And by the time we happen upon Moses, at the end of that 40-year period, he's close to 80 years old. He would have settled into some kind of routine life. You can imagine what a goat herder's life would be. You can imagine that he would wake up in the morning. He would give his kids uh, breakfast. He would kiss his wife, and, and he would go out to the, to the goat herder's pen. He would put his cloak on, his staff, and his rod, and his satchel, and he would open the goat pen, and all the goats would come out. He'd move them from one hill to another hill to another hill, have lunch, move to another hill, another hill, and at the end of the day, move them all back to the pen, lock up the pen, take his cloak off, sit down, have dinner, and do family life, and rinse and repeat for 40 years. Until this one time where he's going about his daily routine when he walks past a bush that is burning. And it's not just burning, the bush starts to talk. Now, how many of you know that's freaky? You can't make this stuff up. It's in the Bible. 
And the voice of God comes from the bush and says, Moses, Moses, come. I want to speak with you. Take your shoes off. It is compelling theology that God is Asian. It's scriptural. I have scriptural backing for it. Because only an Asian God would ask a stranger to take their shoes off before they enter in. To which then he begins to dialogue with God and God begins to explain to him about the oppression that his own people have been under and he's been ignoring it for the last 40 years and he struggles with the fact that he is called to a greater purpose to deliver all of these people out of slavery. His hesitancy was not in the fact that he disagreed with God, that the fact that his people needed to come out of slavery. His hesitancy was the fact that he was counting the cost of what it meant for him to get out of settled what it meant for him to get out of Midian, what it meant for him to get out of the routine he was so used to. Now, I have looked at your website. I have seen your T-shirt. It says, to advance the kingdom of God and to reach the nations. I don't know about you. That means a whole lot of new people are going to get unsettled in the next decade. If you're going to fulfill... Live your one life for the purposes of God. Come on, are you out there? You've got to get rid of settledness and say, God, send me, I will go. If there is a city that is to be birthed, a new nation that is to be birthed, if there's some global hubs, they're going to come out of this house. God is going to raise up an army that is okay with being unsettled. That is okay with, I know this has been our routine, but God, you're speaking to us. And there is something very powerful about a people that understand that God's purposes for my life will never be compatible with my love for routine. Yes, God calls you to your street. Yes, God calls you to your suburb. But it, maybe God's calling you to more. Maybe, just maybe, God's calling you to more. And maybe you're here today and you've planned your whole life out. You've mapped out your whole life. If you're a planner today, just like me, you've, you've planned your whole thing out. The writer of Proverbs actually says this in Proverbs 19, verse 21. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but you can be sure it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. This is helpful to you guys. The third inhibitor, the third, the third killer of purpose, the fourth killer of purpose for me in my own life have been seasons where God has brought delay and in the waiting, I haven't been preparing. Christians often confuse waiting with preparation. They're actually two different mindsets. And from the outside, waiting and preparing looks exactly the same. But I can tell you now, if all you're doing is waiting, you're not doing anything fruitful with your life. Have you ever waited in line uh, for your coffee or waited in line at a bus stop? What are you doing? You're scrolling Facebook, right? Checking messages. But if you're preparing, come on. If you're preparing, your mind is completely set on what is to come. And, and I don't know about you today, but maybe you're here and God has placed something in your life. Maybe God spoke to you at Closer Conference about the, the more, the next step. Maybe, maybe to, to, to take on a, a, a life group or step into some kind of leadership or, or do something in your workplace, start a prayer group in your school. I don't know what that is. And, and you're just sitting, standing around saying, God, I'm just, I'm just I'm waiting for the opportunity. There is a difference between waiting and preparing. I want to submit to you today that if you're living your one life for his purpose, don't just wait, start preparing. Come on. Come on. I don't know when God is going to come knocking, but start preparing. You won't be 
fooled into thinking that for 15 years, all that David did in the Bible was wait for the opportunity. The prophet Samuel anoints him and with oil dripping down his neck that day in his father's living room, he goes back out in the pasture. And for 15 years, it might look like he was just sitting around waiting, but he wasn't waiting, my friend. He was actually preparing. He was playing the harp when no one was looking. Come on. He was playing the lie. He was writing down Psalms when I don't know if this will ever get published or if anyone will ever read it at all. But the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. Come on. Are you out there? He was killing the lion and the bear without anyone looking. Come on. In, in the quiet of his own soul, he was preparing his own heart with, by tending to the sheep that his own father owns that rejected him. Come on. It was in the 15 years that he prepared what it was like to one day assume the throne of Israel. I want to submit to you today in your waiting, don't just wait, but prepare. In the book of Matthew chapter 25, Jesus speaks of a parable where he delineates out of the 10 virgins or bridesmaids, he delineates five as wise and five as foolish. All 10 were made to wait for this metaphorical bridegroom to come. The only difference between the five who were wise and the five who were foolish was that the five wise ones prepared while they waited. All 10 had equal access to the banquet. How many of you know that every single believer has equal access to the purposes of God? But only the ones who are preparing while they're waiting will step in in their one life to the full purposes of God. And when the bridegroom finally comes, he finds five who are waiting but unprepared to have missed out on everything that he already pre-prepared for them. Some of you are saying, I've been waiting a long time, brother. I promise you, even though your God is not an instantly God, he is a suddenly God. And while you're waiting, prepare. I don't know when it's going to come, but the day will come when... Jesus will come knocking. And whatever it is that's been on your heart that it's like dormant and you feel like you've had to wait for so long, may you be found having been prepared. Come on, are you out there? I know so many people with million-dollar dreams but a $2 preparation life. A million-dollar dreams, brother. Great. Got all these things that God has called me to. Fantastic. Would you, would you consider... While you're waiting, go to Numa College. Oh, no, that's not for me. You know, no, that's not for me. It's not in this church, but certainly in my church. That's how they respond. I want to encourage you while you're waiting. Don't just wait. Prepare. I don't know what preparation looks like for you, but allow your heart to be in a perpetual state of preparation. Some of you are saying, what am I preparing for? I don't know what you're preparing for, but God knows. The brides, the, the virgins would have said, what are we waiting? What are we preparing for? We, they don't know what they're preparing for, but the bridegroom came in the dark of night when they least expected. God is not an instantly God, but he is a suddenly God. And you never know when the next city is going to be birthed out of Numa Church. You've got to be ready. You never know when the next global hub is going to be announced. You've got to be ready. I'm talking to this side because it's more full of faith on this side. You never know when the next global hub is going to be announced. You've got to be ready. And my prayer is that God is going to find an army of Numa spirit people in a perpetual state of preparation. Come on, you got something out of that? Can we give Jesus a big shout of praise? Musos, musicians, you can, you can join me. Worship team, you know, one of my great heroes in the Bible 
is an unsung hero by the name of Caleb. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, oh, it's well and good for you, Ken. You're just in your 40s. You're just a young fella. I don't feel young. I feel middle-aged. Because I'm in the middle of probably my lifespan. That's a whole other story altogether. But some of you are saying, oh, you know, I'm, I'm in the latter part of my life. On all this one life for his purpose, I feel like I'm a little bit past it. And I'll let the young fellas and let the young girls, you know, get all excited and get all happy, clappy and all jumpy about it. But, you know, I feel like, I feel like I've, I've, I've done my dash. I, I just want to stir in your heart today that it is never too late to live your one life for his purpose. If you woke up this morning and you got breath in your lungs, God is still giving you the one life to live for his purpose. And Caleb, we find Caleb in the book of Joshua chapter 14. Not the young Caleb who had partnered up with, with Joshua and they were part of the 12 spies that went to see the promised land. We happen upon Joshua chapter 14 where Caleb is now an old man. It says this in Joshua 14. Now the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him. In other words, Caleb goes back to his old mate, spy buddies, right? From the old days. Goes back to him and says, Josh, bro. You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me when we were young fellas? I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. It says this, verse 10, Now then, just as the Lord promised, He has kept me alive for 45 years since the time He said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old, reporting for duty. How many of you want to be 85 years old and reporting for duty? This was Caleb. 45 years ago, Josh, they outvoted us. We had to wander around the wilderness for 45 years. And he says this, I love this in verse 11. I am still as strong today at 85 as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go. I don't know what vigorous means, but it sounds exciting. I'm just as vigorous to go out, to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out. Just as he said, then Joshua blessed Caleb, so you go for it, bro. Now's your time. 45 years. I don't know about you, but as I've gotten older, I realize that I'm not as strong as I used to be and that muscles kind of degrade while in your 40s, you don't recover as quick like you're in your 20s. I've never been strong anyway. But I'm finding that more about myself. How does an 85-year-old man report for duty to say that I'm as strong today as I was when I was 40 years old? The only way that that could happen is if for 45 years, not knowing when his day would come, he would have been lifting weights. He would have been pumping, flexing, looking at the mirror, doing his bicep curls. You know what I'm saying? Doing all the exercises so that at 85 years old, he's able to say, I'm as strong today as I was then. I'm reporting for duty. You can imagine Caleb having been outvoted. If I was him, I'd have for 40 years clocked off. Watch Netflix, outvoted. Let's just eat more quail, pick more manna. <laughs> Drink water from the rock, just cruise around. Pillar of cloud by day. You know, pillar of fire by night. It'd be awesome. But he would have thrust his sword into thin air, 
saying the day is going to come where this sword is going to go into the chest of a giant. I don't know when that day is going to come, but I'm still flexing until at 85 years old, he finally feels like it's my time to come back to my old mate. Joshua, you remember 45 years ago when we got outvoted. Now's my time. Would you send me to that hill country? Oh, is there a new army of people that have been around the traps a long time? Maybe you're saying... Up until this morning, I'm a bit past it. I'm done living my one life for His purpose, but I'm here at church today and I'm reporting for duty because we got a new name. we got a new mandate. There are global hubs to establish. There are new generations to be birthed out of this church. I know we got a long history, but maybe, just maybe, we got an even better future. I need a new man. Amen. From you this morning, can we give Jesus a big shout of praise? Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died, and rose again, conquering sin, Satan, and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life, and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.